Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan C.S., the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James C.S., the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Business Bros. Dude, that was like perfect. That was impressive. (laughs) Hernan C.S. here. Host to the Business Bros Podcast, where we're helping you take control of your branding and your marketing so you can create wealth today and generational wealth tomorrow via podcasting, along with my co-host, the insurance bro, James C.S. with Pipeline Insurance, where we empower licensed professionals to effectively add insurance to their existing businesses. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for yet another live show with the Business Bros Pod. As always, we are excited to bring to you an incredible guest, one with a ton of insight and who radiates positivity. Our guest today is a utilization review nurse who is getting ready to launch her very own podcast soon. Most of the podcasts she found for nurses are business related, telling nurses to start their own businesses and be coaches. But nurses have hearts of gold and they, especially those on the front lines, still want to help people. So the focus of her podcast will be on helping her fellow nurses to cope with nursing burnout so they can continue to be of service to others. And she is one to be trusted too, having been in healthcare for 26 years and a nurse for 19. Her passion is truly in helping her fellow caregivers to learn self-care techniques while working in the field. Born and raised in Southern California and now with the heart of a Midwesterner, joining us out of Columbus, Ohio, from the Nursing Your po- <laughs> Nursing Your Burnouts podcast, please welcome to the show, Jennifer Fenton. Hey. Oh, work, work. He, he makes does it does it work? <laughs> Limited sound effects via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. it shows up on the mic. Yeah, it does show up on the mic. Jennifer, welcome to the program. Hi. So, so how do you, here. yeah, so how do you, how do you like the intro James did? I mean, it took a few minutes for him to write it up, but. It was awesome. Nice, <laughs> nice. I needed, you know, I needed a little bit of time there, but that's why we're late, ladies and gentlemen. I, yeah. I, I delayed us yet again trying to write an uh, acceptable in, intro to our awesome guest today. <laughs> we're treating them like rock stars. That's what we do. Right. That's right. That's right. All right, Jennifer, uh, I got to hear a little bit of your background story, but I want our audience to hear a little bit about your story. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Ohio when you were already in the most beautiful state of the union, California's weather. You decided to go out to the beautiful Ohio weather? Yeah, my family, um, being born and raised in Southern California, um, 
my parents had divorced when I was about eight and my dad's side of the family was back here. And then my sister decided to move back, start a family. And then my mom, of course, wanted to be by the grandbabies and I want to be closer to my family. So moved back out here to Ohio to the good old Midwest and, you know, now live in um, suburb of Columbus, Ohio. So yeah, now I get experience all four seasons and snow. And now with everything going on, everybody's like, okay, what season is it now? <laughs> <laughs> You've been in nursing for a while now. So um, I, I wanted to, before we get into your podcast of, I mean, I would, I would be disservicing my uh, audience to ask you about COVID questions. So uh, as a nurse, can you tell me uh, what you're seeing on, on the front lines out there across the country? What are you hearing uh, in the medical field? Um, the number, one of the number one issues is there are not enough what we call PPE, which is the personal protective equipment for those in the frontline staff, which is gloves, gowns, masks, whole, you know, whole nine yards. And then it's also trying to figure out who to trust during this because you'll see some articles and you don't know, is this article giving somebody false hope about medications, about treatment? The other issue is also not having enough ICU beds and enough ventilators. Um, most hospitals do have ICUs and in your smaller community hospitals around the country, they only, the, the smaller rural community hospitals, they only have a couple ICU beds with ventilators. And if your frontline staff get sick, these are the ones trained to take care of you. These are the ones that are properly trained in ventilators, such not just nurses, your respiratory therapist, a shout out to them. They know how to use the ventilators. Not every nurse knows how to use a ventilator. Yes, they were trained in school, absolutely. But you're asking a labor and delivery nurse to go use a ventilator and then expecting them with three days training to do something like that. Um, that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, so people are doing the best they can. And this is why they're asking people to stay home because in certain areas, even like Cleveland Clinic, they're seeing the tent set up. Um, kind of the equivalent I can compare it to is if anybody had seen MASH having um, that show, I watched that show. Like, I did too. Up. Don't worry. We just ate ourselves. <laughs> um, the tent hospitals, and that's what is going on right now. Um, not having enough ICU beds, not having enough ventilators. And there are people who are like, you know, not really understanding the seriousness of what happens when your frontline staff is ill. Like in Italy, I know. Right now in Ohio, um, a, there was a percentage of how many frontline staff have um, the virus. I myself am technically now um, pre um, presumptive positive. Um, I can't get tested right now <laughs> um, because a, um, their criteria was I had not traveled. Um, I hadn't been around kids. I had not... Um, 
had direct um, patient care and I lived alone. So technically, like as a nurse, I know how to monitor my symptoms, thankfully, and I have people um, checking on me, but other people who are older and live alone, you can feel fine one day, um, the next day be the like complete crap. Like last week I had a few for three days. Then I thought like, okay, I'm getting better over the weekend. And then, you know, still have, you know, fever, cough, and talk to the health department. You said, you said something I've, I've haven't heard yet. You said presumptively positive, right? So, so tell me a little bit about what that means. I haven't heard that yet. So you're um, based on the symptoms you're having, because um, I was tested for the flu and I'm negative for um, the regular flu, and I did get a flu shot back in November, only because even though I wasn't being going to be around patients, I was having surgery, and so I was like, okay, because I didn't want other people to get me sick. Yeah. Um, the presumptive positive is based on your symptoms, because another issue is there are not enough um, test kits out there um, currently. And in Ohio, up until um, this weekend, when it was either this weekend or Monday when they did um, the press conference, the labs were taking, the private labs, if somebody did get tested, private where originally everything was being sent to a private lab for testing, um, you weren't even getting the results back for seven to 10 days, seven to 10 business days. So really 14 days. And in that time you could have symptoms or be symptomatic and pass it on to somebody else. So last week I talked to the health department and my family doctor talked to, talked to them again on Monday when I woke up with fever, even today, um, today it's more of a low grade fever. Um, they're like, you're presumptive positive. So meaning I'm positive, um, self quarantining, um, versus self isolation. Um, the majority of people are self isolating to, you know, to keep themselves from getting sick or if they felt asymptomatic. Based on my symptoms, they're like, you know, girl, you do not leave the house, like, for anything. You know, your groceries need to get delivered. (laughs) Leave them on the front porch. Don't talk to anybody. You know, just let them leave them on the front porch, um, that type of thing. That's crazy. You're probably one of the first people that I've ever talked to so far that's been diagnosed well you can't even say actually positive just presumptively positive right based on the symptoms and it's different symptoms than the actual than the actual flu um having um like the dry cough the fever you know the body aches headache you know all that fun stuff yeah so i've been doing my own self-care of you know hydrating you know the chicken noodle soup the elderberry syrup like everything under the sun yeah oh i hope you feel better very soon yeah yeah Right. Well, and let's I have just, people checking on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So you're you're a nurse. You're dealing with a lot of the um, internal things that go on in the hospital. You know what nurses go through on you know going on twelve hour shifts. We've had I've seen on yeah. on on social media where uh, people are asking for anybody who has any medical experience to start reporting retired nurses. Um, yeah. You know, people straight out of med school. Like they're just uh, you know all hands on deck type scenario and there's going to be people putting in tons of hours into into what's going to be happening and they're going to be tired they're going to be burning out um 
this is something that you were talking about doing uh, before everything happened. Yes. Correlate to what's going to be, tell me a little bit about your, what you're doing in your podcast and how does it correlate a little more now that things are going crazy? Um, right now is there are people like it is in their heart to be a nurse. Like it is a calling. The majority of people who are in nursing, the healthcare field, those helping professions, they're doing it because they want to do it. They're not doing it for a paycheck. Um, but a lot of them are going in, um, putting their lives on their line now, which, you know, they always knew like, Hey, I could, you know, if I got a needle stick, I could get, you know, if I accidentally got stuck by a needle, those were the big, you know, big concerns. Um, now before the virus, it was, um, the violence against nurses, um, from patients and family members and visitors. And now you have this of nurses going in, not having the right equipment because there's not enough. And then they're quarantined from their own family, from their own kids. You know, they can't give their kid a hug when they can come home from work. And, you know, toddlers aren't going to, you know, understand that, that they can't hug mom and dad when they, you know, come home from work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a normal thing for a toddler to do or anybody to do is hug a family member when they come home from work. And now they're not able to do that. And the psychological effects of that, of both, you know, the kids and the parents. Yeah, it's got to be nuts. Yeah. So, so you decided to do a, a podcast on on the, the burnout rate for nurses, right? People yeah. who I mean, I know, I know in the medical field, there's some times where you do 12 hour shifts or, or yeah. longer um, yes. and you're away from home, you're missing your toddlers. Now it's compounding that effect. But even without that, uh, the stress that, that you go through in the medical field can be tough. So what yeah. did you decide to do with that as far as your podcast is concerned? Um, so that's, um, so the beginning of this year, I started talking to some people of just wanting to use the experience that I've gained over, you know, the few years I have (laughs) you know, just a few to really help and be, you know, be a light for them. Um, because I know how stressed out I was at times going, working as a nurse, I'm trying to go back to school, um, to get my bachelor's degree in nursing. And that was a tough time too, where you're working full time, trying to go back to school. Um, and I did it a very, you know, slow way. Cause I, even during that, I was getting burnt out. Um, and just really wanting to help those fellow nurses saying, Hey, there's another way, you know, let's work on simple things that you can, you know, that you can do. And that's why there's like some episodes of the podcast will be quick and brief. Um, and others, when we have guests on th- those ones might be a little bit longer so they can listen to it on a break. Um, <laughs> and that's another thing. Like sometimes like people forget, like nurses sometimes don't get breaks. <laughs> They're like, Oh, just call me back on your lunch break or do this on your lunch break. And we're looking at them like, mm-hmm. and like sometimes we did not get these breaks these breaks like what are you talking about they're they're supposed to be there at the certain time but when (laughs) when the rush happens you just never know right right or not a scheduled time like you don't take lunch at you know you you're a day shift nurse like you usually don't eat 
you know, lunch at the same time every single day, like, unless you're working in a clinic or a doctor's office, you don't, there's, yeah, you don't take it at the same time every day. That's, yeah, unrealistic. <laughs> so, so nurses today are, are going through that normal stressful time of, you know, things that they got to do on a regular basis. What are some tips that, that you can give them to kind of relieve that stress on a day to day? Like where, what, what can they do to kind of make this time a little less chaotic? Um, try and honestly, like reach out to their loved ones, really be honest about what they're, what they're going through. Don't hold it all in. Um, I think sometimes that's the worst thing is holding it all in and suppressing everything that you're feeling, because if you do that, then you're going to erupt and it's not going to be, um, pretty. So if they want to journal, um, just a couple minutes about like what their experiences are um during this time also um try and um drink more water and i know that's hard like you know that's the last thing on your mind is trying to you know drink some more water and um, decrease the caffeine you know decrease the amount of like the energy drinks you're drinking um because those really are not good for you um those simple things will really help and also trying to keep up your own immune system but the stress itself has an effect on your immune system. So then you're more prone naturally to be getting sick. So it's a vicious cycle because all the stress and trauma that they're now facing, it's gonna be um, the equivalent in some areas um, to post-traumatic um, stress disorder, um, especially in certain areas where in certain um, nursing Facebook groups, they're already saying, how are we going to decide um, if it comes to that in certain areas, who gets a ventilator and who doesn't? Yeah, and, that's that's kind of that's kind of crazy because they're essentially going to make a life and death decision for somebody, and um, it's hard enough to deal with it when it happens. But some people are going to deal with it for the rest of their lives. You know, like yeah. that's where you're talking about the post traumatic stress, right? Right. And also some of the, um, now with the new, in every hospital's a little bit different, the um, visitation, what they're doing about visitation, you know, if that um, positive patient can't, are they going to allow visitors? I mean, um, I mean, children's a completely different story, labor and delivery. But if that patient's positive, what happens um, in those dying stages? Um, are they allowing family to be there? Is that patient dying alone? And it's going back, um, honestly, um, to like the Vietnam days of that, you know, those nurses are like, you know, nobody's dying alone on my watch. You know, I'm going to hold their hand, you know. I'm going to Facebook time their, you know, family. So at least the family can see them, but some, you know, if they're not letting the family in and then that trauma of, you know, then if the nurse gets called away of that patient dying alone. And mm -hmm. so this is what we're saying about social, you know, um, the social 
distancing, well, technically physical distancing, but not um, social distancing, like reaching out. And there are other people, um, these nurses, where they're getting attacked by other people. Uh, you know, well, social distancing or physical distancing is not important. You know, some are trying to compare this, unfortunately, to the flu, to abortion, to everything. And yes, all lives matter. Yes. Um, but these nurses who, like me, like, I know, like, after this, there are going to be some comments. <laughs> I'm ready for them. I got thick skin, you know, but I've seen what my friends who are nurses, um, putting this out there, um, their thoughts on the subject. And I posted my thoughts um, a couple weeks ago about this when it was first coming up of things people could do to protect themselves. And some people listened and were like, oh, those were good ideas, but still were like, oh, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, and if you don't have anybody able to work the front lines in this, um, we're already seeing what happened in Italy. Um, unfortunately. Um, and so a lot of people are just, I don't want to cause fear in them, um, because that's never my intention, but they need to be prepared, um, because we don't know how long this is going to last. And we already know we haven't seen the peak of it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the, that's kind of the scarier thing. This is like deadlier than the flu. Um, it's more contagious than the flu. And if people went back and saw like the flu of, um, 1918 and saw those demographics. Um, so there are things we can do. Um, but people, um, a lot of it waited too long to do anything because some people just didn't know what to do. And so you're seeing areas like New York, um, even here in Ohio and Michigan, um, Seattle, Washington, you're seeing all these places, um, be hit really hard with that. And I know in Ohio, they're looking to us. I know, uh, one of our companies, Battelle is looking at innovative ways with the PPE to be able, um, to sterilize it. And then they're trying to get that up and running to be able to give that um, to help other states as well. That's just, uh, I mean, it's crazy to even think about and even fathom that aspect of it. A lot of us are thinking, um, I mean, we don't know. I'm, I'm a civilian. All I do is look at the numbers that come out on like the world meter or whatever. And, and you keep looking at the numbers and the numbers just don't make sense to what the fear is, right? I mean, you take 7.8 billion people on the planet, you're like, okay, 800,000 people, not even a million yet. That's not even, you know, 1% of the entire population of the world. What's the big deal here? And, and when you dig a little bit deeper and you find out, you know, I mean, that's, that's confirmed cases. That's not even the ability to have people like yourself who are getting tested. <laughs> yeah, you're not even allowed to get tested because you don't have it. So, you know, the number of reported is, is not the number of people who, who've, who've, contracted or who are at risk and so you know right. it's kind of scary and they're and they've made and they <clears throat> might be a carrier but they've been asymptomatic so they're not showing um any symptoms but they could be a carrier or some people they're not showing symptoms for like a week to two weeks later mm -hmm. and they even showed on one of the cruise ships and i forget the cruise ship's name right now 
that after they cleaned everything, the virus was still showing up on surfaces 17 days later. Mm, that's crazy. And so the issue is we as nurses know there's not enough PPE. We know there's not enough ICU beds. We know there's not enough ventilators. And then you have people who are already immune compromised, um, maybe somebody who has um, breathing problems, asthma, who has had cancer, their immune system's already down. And it's just kind of like um, when people who get the flu and they're like, oh, the person didn't die of the flu, they died of pneumonia. Well, it's sometimes that secondary infection that causes um, more problems. But nowadays, um, due to mo the majority of people's diets, um, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, the majority of people in our country are already immunocompromised. They just don't know it. I don't care what age they are. Um, due to things like diet, lack, you know, the sedentary lifestyle, not really exercising because you already have kids that have adult diseases. Um, and anybody who's had any type of trauma that affects them. So then they're already immune compromised. Um, so you have all these people that are immune compromised and they, and they're like, Oh, I'm young. I'm fine. They're finding younger people, um, are getting the disease. Younger people have died from the disease. And this is something, yeah, we really have never seen before. So no healthcare system has seen this as good as like John Hopkins, um, Cleveland Clinic, the Ohio State Medical Center, all these world-renowned places um, and hospital systems were never prepared for this. Mm -hmm. Never, ever. They, they, they're, they were not prepared for this pandemic at all because it was some how could you prepare for something you never knew was even possible yeah yeah i mean some people would argue that we did know it was possible we just didn't allocate the right funds for for certain things and that always comes down to the almighty dollar right um, right. You know, where, where we're going to spend that kind of money in preparation for stuff like this. And the right. fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter whether you would have, should have, could have, you're not prepared. We're in right. the situation where we are right now. And so we got to, we got to do what we got to do to uh, flatten the curve now and then hopefully learn from it and prepare for something like this in the future. Because, you know, if it happens once, it can happen again. Exactly. And to be prepared and have this and then. One of the reasons with the PPE, and even though China manufactures a lot of it, so many companies, when they were hit with this, sent supplies over to China because they didn't think, why they didn't think it could come here, that it would only stay in China, I have no idea, um, because people travel nowadays uh, are global, but a lot of supplies were actually sent to China to help them out. Um, which is understandable, and but there was a lot of people who didn't think it was going to come here, that didn't think it could come here. Um, they were like, oh, that's China. It's not going to come here. That's them. That's that. And now it is. And now it, you know, unfortunately. Now we are where we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, we spent a lot of time on COVID, and I didn't get to spend very much time on your podcast. But <laughs> that's okay. I am going to offer you this. So on Monday, um, we're, we're going to be launching our podcast coaching program. And so um, since you're going to be very new to podcasting, I want to invite you to come on board. It's a four-week program, everything from podcast development all the way up through podcast monetization. 
and uh, I'm going to give you a scholarship. But anybody else who's interested, uh, I want you guys, I want to invite you guys go to businessbros.biz slash pop webinar, P-O-P, because it's called The Power of Podcasting. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll have you, we'll have you on, on the uh, first four-week program and, and get your podcast off and rolling as a, as a thank you for telling me more about COVID than your, than your own podcast. Oh, no problem. <laughs> that's what us nurses do. Um, that's, and that's why I'm here is to, like I said, help others because of our, you know, our hearts, like we want to keep others safe. Um, and it also, you know, the oxygen mask of, you know, you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help somebody else. Yeah. On and the plane. They always tell you that. Yeah. And then for the longest time I was like, Oh, whatever. We're nurses. Like, yeah. Right. We're good. And then We're good. You really think about it. You're like, yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> well, I hope you start feeling better. Um, I don't know how to tell anybody the same thing, but enjoy your quarantine time. I mean, yeah. I don't know, like, how, you know, what do you do with that? Like we're, we're I got two kids at home and they're, they're like, oh, extra vacation, except they don't get to go anywhere. So I don't know. Right. I don't know how that works, uh, but I do hope you feel better here. And I want to, I want to tell you, thank you again for, uh, for sharing all that information. It's always good to hear from people who are in the industry, who are there on right. the front lines, because um, you guys are seeing it. You guys are telling us what's going on, and and heed the warning it's better to be you know they're not putting up tent cities for for hospitals for no reason like something right. coming and the preparation is being put in place right they're not doing that for fun like yeah. it's not they're not doing this for fun and for attention um like when you have the navy ships come in i i think one went to la and one went to new york when you have the navy hospital ship comes at you know coming in that should heed like something some places the national guard is there and to help distribute supplies like they, they're not ju just doing this for the fun of it so please stay inside and wash your hands <laughs> wash your hands don't go out if you don't have to i understand I, I went out yesterday to walmart picked up supplies you know wash your hands take care of yourself stay in as much as possible Social distance, or I like how you just said uh, physical distancing. That's really what it is, right? Yeah. And, and be safe out there. Be safe. Be smart. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Jennifer, exactly. thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you guys for having me. All right, ladies and gents. So uh, what was the name of your podcast? Not out yet, but we're going to be launching it soon, right? Uh, nursing Your Burnout, yes. Nursing Your Burnout. So keep an eye out. We're going to be posting that on iTunes, Spotify, all your carrier sites, whatever platforms that you need to distribute your podcast. And again, ladies and gents, if you're interested in getting some podcast coaching, launching your podcast, making sure to take control of your branding, your marketing, your way via podcasting, uh, hit us up, businessbros.biz slash uh, pop webinar. All right. That's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email, businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.